One thing I can tell you, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 93 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Go rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button right on your Apple Podcast app. Today's show, Tate Frazier of the Ringer Podcast Network's One Shining Podcast joins in. You could follow Tate on Instagram and Twitter at Tate Frazier. That's T-A-T-E-F-R-A-Z-I-E-R. You know you could follow me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Tate Frazier, man, uh, co-host of the One Shiny Podcast. Welcome to Combo Court. How are you feeling today, man? I am doing all right, man. I am happy to be back in North Carolina. I am in Charlotte, North Carolina right now. going to go to the uh, Carolina Battle at the Border this weekend. North Carolina football versus South Carolina football. So uh, very excited about that. But I'm happy to be on the show, man. I appreciate you uh, inviting me on. Anytime, though. You actually went to North Carolina. Tell me about your college experience, man, before we get into your podcast. <laughs> My college experience uh, was pretty good, man. I went to uh, North Carolina. North Carolina, like you said, I can't even say it right now because I'm so excited to be back in North Carolina. Uh, I'm from Henderson, North Carolina, a small town, uh, right, you know, 40 miles north of Chapel Hill. It was a dream to go to Chapel Hill. Um, and, yeah, while I was in, in school, I'm the only one in my family who went to Carolina that did not win a national championship. So I was in school uh, when Kendall Marshall's wrist got hurt uh, in the, uh, the Creighton game. Uh, so he missed the Elite Eight game in 2012 against Kansas. Where is he playing now? So Kendall Marshall is on staff with Carolina. He's like, wow, okay, yeah, yeah, he's like working in the video department for the team. So he's uh, living that life. But people forget, I mean, Kendall Marshall averaged 16 assists a game for the Lakers at one point. So uh, Kendall, Kendall had a nice run, 13th pick, you know, back in the lottery uh, that season. But it, it was not a fun uh, college experience. We did not win as many games as I had hoped, and like I said, we did not win a national championship. But I love Chapel Hill, and I uh, I love football for the Tar Heels. 2017 made up for it for sure. <laughs> for sure, for sure. It's crazy how somebody could be an elite in the league, a solid player, and then all of a sudden they're not in the league anymore. It's well, like, that's just it goes to show how great these players are. Yeah. And they're always getting better. Everybody's getting better, you know? Yes, of course, man. Everyone's gotta work hard. And if you're not working hard, you can fall out of the league in a heartbeat, you know? And that's how it goes. For sure, man. You and you and Mark got the podcast on the ringer. Um, you know, I don't know too much about the ringer, except I listened to uh I, I had the chance to listen to your pod today. I listen to Bill's pod all the time. But yeah. can, you t- can you tell me more about The Ringer? Because, you know, like when I think of ESPN, I think of Bristol. I think of, uh, you know, when I was a kid eating my cereal, watching ESPN. But <laughs> I-, I don't really know, like, what The Ringer actually is. So can you tell me more? Oh, man, that's a, that's a great question. I think uh, for me it's a little bit different, right? The Ringer was actually created after I was working with Bill. I was, you know, producing Bill's podcast. And I worked on the podcast side. And the podcast side originally, a lot of people don't know this, the podcast side of the company was separate from the website, which is The Ringer. Um, it was called, and, and I take a lot of credit for this. I love this name. Uh, Bill Simmons and I uh, decided to call it the Bill Simmons Podcast Network, uh, which was hilariously, the acronym was BSPN. 
<laughs> that was uh, an exciting time. So the ringer was kind of uh, developed after that period of time, uh, early 2016, when all that was happening. And the ringer is a, a website, and now it is a brand that has video and podcasts. And I am a producer uh, for Bill Simmons and uh, for the Bill Simmons Media Group, which is a part of the ringer. That's probably the the most layman terms way I can give it. But yes, I miss just being able to watch uh, ESPN on TV, eating cereal uh, before school. Those are the best times. Nowadays, everything's so convoluted. Uh, but yes, I have a great job. I love doing the podcast with Mark and Bill Simmons again. You know, I, I, he was the one who fell me early on. So it's, uh, it's a blessing to say the least. Okay, so what was your cereal? Mine was Frosted Flakes. What was your cereal? Oh, man, I mean, I had a full range. I mean, Cinnamon Toast Crunch for sure. Too like sweet, man. Too sweet, but not back then. But for now, it's too sweet. It's too sweet now. Back then, it was just what I needed to get juiced up before fifth grade. Uh, and then, you know, you got Honey Nut Cheerios, of course. I mean, that's Very like good. Very good. That's like the baseline. I feel like Honey Nut Cheerios was like the best that I had as far as a base. Frosted Flakes, were, they were in play at one point, you know. I, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not afraid to say I'm polyamorous when it comes to cereals, right? You know, I'm, I'm yeah. all about it. I'm not afraid. So uh, I love all cereals. All right. So you and Mark got the podcast. I'm assuming you read his yeah. book. Of course I did. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, uh, I read his book actually after we started podcasting because I thought it was probably rude for me not to read his book. So I did read his book. I mean, that was what, now three years ago when I read his book, like 2016, the first year we started working together. But Mark's a very funny guy. I enjoy doing the show with him. And uh, yeah, his book is very Mark, to say the least. It's a hilarious book, man. When he starts talking about the Million Club, I, I, I think I remember that was uh, the name he had for it. When you play one minute and then every other stat is zero. Yeah, club, club trillion, man. Club trillion. club trillion, there it is. All right, all right. So so you, they're going to move the three line back this year. Is there any other changes you would like to see? Because I love it. Because I was actually watching uh, St. John's play, I think, this past year, and I was like, the line's just too close. Like, there's not enough spacing in the game. Are there any other changes you would like to see made just so we could get a better idea of how these guys will project in the NBA? Obviously, a lot of them won't even play in the NBA. So it's kind of a catch-22. But what are your thoughts on that? I think with Jim Beheim uh, coming out and saying that he does not, uh, he is not guaranteeing that they are going to play zoned uh, full stop this season. I think that makes me say, all right, college basketball, let's decide to just ban the zone. There's no need for the zone anymore. If Jim Beheim is willing to play man to man, then maybe it's just time to ban the zone in general. Of course, we can see all, all these guys that they match up and, and how they'll translate to the next level if they're you know, not able to hide in a zone a la what Coach K has done the past few years with some of these five-star guys that he has. So we just get, you know, just ban zone defense. I think that's great for basketball. And, uh, you know, square up, got to double guys. And I, I, think, uh, I think that will make the game even more fun because I'm tired of the zones. It's just – it's a cop-out. I mean, Coach K is all about it now. He doesn't even want to teach defense. Just let's, let's play 2-3 zone. Right, right. Would you like to see four quarters or even 12-minute quarters? Like, Because, you know, in Europe, it's like the youth game and the pro game is very similar. You know what I mean? And in here, yeah. it's like, like it's a, such a big adjustment for these college guys. There's so many games in college, so maybe the 12-minute quarters would be tough. But, but is there any other changes you'd like to see that would, like, help us kind of project talent? Yeah, I mean, I like FIBA rules. I mean, I do I enjoy rules. Too, yeah. yeah, I mean, they, they do make sense, and, and I don't mind. And I, I wouldn't mind it coming to college basketball. I think a uniform model of the game, obviously, is a lot easier to sell, and I'm sure that's what the NBA would want in an ideal world. But there is also just the, the just, there's a lot of nostalgia at play with college basketball, and I think that's the reason why so many people tune in and they stay attached to the sport because it is like, 
the most brand loyal fans you can find in any sort of sport because people are tethered to these communities and these clubs. So when you change things, people don't like to change, uh, you know, especially the NCAA, right? Yes, exactly. They like the status quo. Uh, so it's very hard to kind of sell uh, full cell changes, you know, across the board. But I mean, I would like to see FIBA rules kind of just dictate everything because then it's an international game. And I think at the end of the day, you know, we've seen it with soccer or football, whatever you want to call it. I mean, if it's an international sport and everyone can buy in, it just makes for a beautiful day. And uh, I think that's the beautiful thing that's going on with the Premier League right now, the Champions League. I think, you know, you see a lot of people in America that are you know, Liverpool fans, Tottenham fans, whatever they may be. And the sport itself is international. I think we can get there with basketball. And, you know, there's a thing that there's something to be said about someone like Calathis, you know, Nick Calathis, who's, right. you know, abroad and such a great player. And everyone knows that he's such a great player. And it should be an international uh, view on all that sort of stuff. And I think we get tethered to the NCAA. We remember them in college or we remember them on our, on our NBA team. We don't, you know, keep up with the fact that a lot of these guys like, you know, Marbury, I mean, he owns China, right? I mean, he's a legend in China. And, uh, you know, not as many people are plugged in. And the sport can get boosted to the international level and everyone's kind of equal. I think that's a good thing. So, But it won't happen in college basketball, that's for sure. Probably not. All right. And speaking of the international game, uh, who you got winning the World Cup, man? We got Serbia, got a really good team. Yeah. Uh, the best player in probably the World Cup is on Greece. Uh, do you feel like USA will, will win it all? Oh, well, this is actually a great talking point. I, uh, I was really – I watched the Australia game. And for some reason, I was almost pulling for Australia because I just – I like to see the United States kind of, you know, like 2004 in the Olympics in Athens. That team was so dramatic with, you know, Larry Brown's coming off the title. You got the LeBron, Carmelo, Young Guns that got added to the team kind of against Larry's will. He wanted, like, Michael Redd to be on the team and – there was like all this sort of like backdoor deals going on. So I like when the team USA is kind of up in the air now that coach K era is over. Uh, it's right. fun to see Pop Popovich have to coach these guys. If I had to pick a team to win, I would say I pick the team like you mentioned with Giannis, because I think that he's on a mission and he said that the MVP meant nothing to him compared to what, what it would mean to win this world cup with Greece. And I actually believe him when he says these things. So I would love to see them make a run. The Serbians, uh, like you mentioned, they're very, very good Serbs. Uh, Croatia is my favorite international team that is not uh, the United States. Uh, but I'm going to go with Giannis and, 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 and just see what happens because why not? I love Giannis's game. I love how focused he is. I feel like he's, he has a real chance to be international Jordan. And, uh, you know, that's good for the game of basketball. Right. I actually had this discussion on a – it's kind of a random, interesting uh, comparison, but who do you feel is a better player right now, Joe Angles or Jason Tatum? Uh, Joe Angles. I think so too, man. I think so too. I think I agree with you on that one. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to say with those type of players. When you Obviously, he's a lot older with with European with international experience, so it's kind of like an unfair comparison. But I do think that like Tatum is slightly overrated uh, yeah. concerning slightly. His potential. He's absolutely overrated. I mean. I feel bad for Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown's the one that has to deal with it the most. Yeah, crazy. It's like he doesn't really catch and shoot that well. He doesn't really, he doesn't really have blow by ability. Um, he's just shooting a lot of off-the-dribble mid-range jumpers. Yeah, I mean, and I think his first year, he was so good from the corner with that corner three. He shot, like, what would be career highs for guys from the corner. So it's right. not like he could improve from that, and that was the best thing that he was doing, the catch and shoot in the corner. And he has obviously not improved. He's, you know – 
progressed in that sense. And then, like you said, I mean, he's kind of turned into more of a Carmelo Anthony, uh, you know, ISO scorer type in the mid range. And, you know, that's not really where the game is at the moment. And Joe Ingles is just a savvy, smart basketball player. He makes guys around him better. And when he does have to shoot and you put him on him to make a big shot, he can knock it down. So that's why, I mean, like you said, it's a veteran difference. I think Tatum could get there. But that's the problem with this U.S. team. Like, Kimbo's probably the most reliable leader in terms of that locker room. And it's just, you know, it's, it's a big spot for him. And I respect him. Obviously, I'm in Charlotte right now. I watched him play a lot for the Charlotte Hornets. I think he's a – very, very talented basketball player. I know he's an NCAA champion with UConn. That was one of the greatest, you know, runs we've seen. But this is the biggest stage that Kim has been on. And, uh, you know, people expect the U.S. to deliver like they always deliver. And we only complain when we don't win. And we don't really even pay attention when we do win. So right, it's a, tough, it's a tough spot to be in for Kimba and these guys, especially with, like you said, Tatum and Marcus Smart. I mean, the, that whole Boston Celtics core is kind of being put to the test in front of yeah. the world right now. So, um, you know, it's definitely interesting to watch. I'm keeping my, my eye on it at all times. Just, uh, you know, I've been watching all the footage and, and practice, like the one-on-one stuff, like Harrison Barnes and Donovan Mitchell. I mean, to be quite honest, I think Donovan Mitchell is the guy that really needs to step up and, uh, and be a real star for Team USA. And I think he could do that uh, if he's kind of given the green light. But I don't know how that will all play out when it comes to, uh, to the actual tournament itself. Yeah, I think it, this um... – this World Cup run, win a middle, win the whole thing. I think it's going to benefit the Celtics, though, because yeah, they're going to be at such a great rhythm for the start of the season, you know? Well, it's very smart, you know, for the Celtics to kind of let that play out and let them all be there. And, you know, that was that was very fortuitous that Kimba decided to go to Boston, and I think he's a great I, – I mean – He's know a winner, he, man. He's definitely a winner. He has a great attitude, for sure. Yeah. And I'm not going to say that he's an upgrade over Kyrie because we all know that the, the natural gifts that Kyrie yeah. has. Talent-wise, no way. Talent-wise, no way. But Yeah, but he may be a better fit in Boston. And I think Kimba wants that to be charged with a winning program and carry on a tradition. He obviously did that at UConn before. So I think he fits in well in Boston. And I think the attitude that he has works well in Boston. So I know he's excited to be there. And, you know, Danny Ainge can't complain because this, like you said, it works out perfectly for them. They, they build a chemistry without, you know, even, you know, being in Boston Celtics, you know, in any sort of training camp, you know, or any sort of real capacity. They're able to build some sort of chemistry before they start the season. So that's great. Yeah, I think they're going to start out great. All right, let's take it to North Carolina, man. I, I actually got to see Kobe White play in, uh, in Summer League. Man, it looked like he improved so much from, from North Carolina just in terms of – the mental side of the game, like the pace and space. He was so much more poised. Um, can you speak to Kobe, Cameron, and Nasir and how you feel they'll fit in the NBA? Absolutely, man. I, uh, Kobe White is one of my favorite players in quite some time in North Carolina. And I'm sure a lot of people know this about North Carolina, but we take a lot of pride in our point guards and, you know, dating back all the way to, I mean, Ed Cote is probably my favorite point guard of all the crap. But I mean, Brooklyn, you can go. there you go. Brooklyn, there you of go. Of course, you know that. <laughs> Ed uh, and there's been a, you know, a pretty great run with Roy, whether it's you know, Raven Felton, obviously Ty Lawson, and then, you know, the what Joel Berry just did with that 2017 title run. I thought he was amazing. And he almost gets underrated. For some reason, you know, we talk a lot about Marcus Page and the North Carolina fan base, but not a lot about Joel Berry, and Joel Berry's one of those guys that uh, really, you know, kept it going as far as a winning tradition. And uh, and Kobe came in right after that and was just – I think he did so much more than people expected. And as far as the state of North Carolina is concerned, we do love high school basketball. And uh, Kobe White 
you know, he set this, you know, the state scoring record. He broke Jameson Curry's record that was in uh, set in 2003. And then Jameson Curry broke my great uncle Cotton Clayton's record uh, that had been set for about 40 years. So Kobe White is a special kind of talent in the state of North Carolina. Everyone adores his game. And that's why the, 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 the irony and the poetry and the beauty, whatever you want to call it, behind Kobe ending up in Chicago uh, with the, the legend and the status that Michael Jordan has left in Chicago after leaving North Carolina uh, and becoming such a great champion and then obviously returning to Charlotte and owning the, you know, the Charlotte Hornets at this point. Um, it's such a great thing for Kobe to have that opportunity to be that guy, to be the face of, of a team that I think already has a solid core in Levine and Laurie Markkinen. And I think, you know, Car Wendell Carter is a guy that I actually think is a real talented guy. And I like their four or five spot there. I think it's very modern. I think it fits Kobe really well. So he's in a great spot. And then Cam Johnson, sort of the same thing. I mean, Cam is the ultimate uh, nobody believes in me guy. I mean, Nazir Little comes in, people think he's going to be the number one pick in the draft potentially, or, or at least top five, and he's going to start at small forward. And unfortunately, Cam Johnson is there as a senior who's 24 years old and says, I'm going to shoot 46% from the three-point line and be an absolute aggressive offensive force for the, you know, the entire season. And then if you're a team, I mean, I know there's a lot of jokes and reports being made that the Suns, the guy that made the pick, you know, had recruited Cam Johnson to Marist at one point, and it's, you know, a funny thing that he drafted him 11th, and obviously the, the Suns traded back to get him into that spot even, uh, but Cameron Johnson is a six foot nine kid who can stroke it, and if you've seen Clay Thompson uh, over the past few years, you can tell that if someone has a quick release and they can stroke it, and, and if they can get their shot off, and if you're six nine, you, for, for the most part, you can get your shot off in the NBA, um, he's going to fit in well with Booker. I think that's a great situation in Phoenix. Obviously, being a lottery pick puts a lot more eyes on him, so it's going to have a lot of people, you know, second-guessing what he may do for that team. But I think he, wearing number 23 in Phoenix, will be great. And then you talk about a guy that fit uh, in a great situation, and I hated the way it happened, but I think it happened for a reason because he needs to have a chip on his shoulder to be a great player, and I think that's Nazir Little. Nazir Little was a guy that is a top-five talent just on premier gifts that he has right. to the game of basketball. And I think him falling to that spot in Portland is so great for him because one, it's a challenge two, it's a great city and three, it's exactly the three spot that they've needed in Portland. You know, we've seen all these guys kind of rotate in, whether it's Aminu who was there forever. Now Aminu, I think he went with the magic and you got Harkless who was there. They've never been able to find that, you know, what Harrison Barnes was in the 2015 Warriors that, Small forward, you can do just enough to get you over the hump to be a real contender, uh, whether it be defensively or knocking down that corner three or whatever it may be, like what Trevor Reza did, you know, for the Lakers back in the day. Right. And was Which is play. like the prototypical NBA guy now, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, the, the 3-and-D exactly. guy, right? That's right, right. And that's exactly what Nazir Little can be with a backcourt that I think is, without Clay Thompson playing next year, we'll see what D'Angelo Russell does with Steph or what Russell Westbrook does with Harden. But I think they're going to be one of the best, you know, backcourts in the West. I think, you know, Conley and Mitchell are probably in that conversation too. If LeBron's actually going to play point guard, then he's in that conversation with whoever they deem to be the two guard based on what the Lakers are doing. It may be Anthony Davis, who, who knows at this point. Uh, but, but I think Nazir Little fits in so well with those two guys in McCollum and Lillard. And I think that they're, you know, on, on the right side of, what is going well in the West. I think the Nuggets are another team to watch out for as far as, you know, what they may be able to do to make a run. The West is so interesting, but is there a little being able to be in the West with those guys and go to battle early on and be physical? 
I think that's a great fit. So as far as Carolina guys, it couldn't have worked out better. Three first-round picks, three guys that I really like a lot, and I know everyone on campus really likes a lot. It's unfortunate that the way the game goes now is that Desir and Kobe, there's no reason to stay at North Carolina because of the financial opportunity that they can have for their families. Um, yeah. And Kobe's father passed away right before he went to Carolina. And, yeah. you know, that was a special thing for him to go that high in the draft and to go to the Chicago Bulls, uh, you know, like I said, with the Jordan connection. So it, it, it's been – it worked out really well for those guys. And, you know, in a time where John Calipari is one of the few guys that, you know, was on the side of championing these players for the NBA, I was very happy to see, you know, the, the response from Carolina fans when those guys decided to go to the NBA because everyone knows – you have to, and maybe maybe there is a day where guys are getting paid enough or there's enough incentive to be in college not to go, but right now there's not enough incentive not to go, and I'm happy those guys went and they got rewarded for it, you know? For sure, for sure. Kobe's speed, that's what really impressed mm -hmm. me because I'm a bigger guard. And to see a guard with his size coming down the court with that type of speed, even off the pick and roll, is just like, it's exceptional, for sure. Yeah, Kobe's one of those guys where he reminds me of, like, uh, Jeff Teague and Chris Paul and some of those right. guys, like, those, like, weight guys were uh, – Well, he's, he's even more explosive. He's even faster than Chris Paul, maybe. Yeah, he's yeah. super but he, fast. Yeah. yeah. yeah he, he's so fast. I mean, Lawson was like that. Ty Lawson's like that. Obviously. John Wall. John yeah. Wall's probably even faster, but to that yeah. effect, yeah. John's probably John's probably a good comparison in the sense that I think John and Kobe have a similar demeanor, and, and some people may right. think that as a as a bad thing because a lot of people have a very warped perception of John Wall, and I don't really. Very. I agree with you. I agree with you. I don't understand that, but I mean, Kobe and John have a very similar demeanor, and John is you know a guy that was a little loose early. You know, you kind of had to rein him in, and that's a little bit. I mean. Kobe's going to have growing pains for sure. Like he may have a few games where he had eight, nine turnovers, but at the end of the day, he can also drop 45 and win you a game. He's a competitive kid and he's not afraid of the big stage. And that's a lot how John is. So I think that works. How are Cam? Well, Kobe's obviously going to have the ball in his hands a lot. How are Cam and Nasir as catch and shoot shooters? I think that Nazir can develop into a catch-and-shoot guy. Like I said, like a very Harrison Barnes role with right. play and stuff. I think he can be that same thing in Portland. Um, and I think Cam Johnson is superb. And I know 46% from three is crazy. And I'm not saying he's going to shoot 46% from three. But I will, I will say that Devin Booker takes so much attention for a defense that Cam's going to get open looks. Don't double Devin Booker. He won't yeah. let you double him. If you if you double if you're doubling Devin Booker, man, I mean he's gonna be upset. Like, that's sure. it's, it's just pick up. Like, don't take it that seriously. Like leave him alone. He's trying to get off. He's trying to get on Instagram. Uh, but no, but seriously, like I think Devin Booker's gonna give like take on so much attention that I think Cam Johnson's gonna have a few games where it's like, oh man, Cam Johnson had 30 points. Wow, that's crazy. He had 10 threes. He was 10 for 15 from three. That's insane. And I don't think that will be a crazy thing to see. I'm not saying that he won't get cooked on defense a few times. I think, you know, he's going to have some problems defending guys in the league, especially if he's a three. I think he fits better as a two guard, but we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I do think it's a good fit in Phoenix because less expectations, not a lot of eyeballs. And I think, again, he can go off in a few games with Booker getting a lot of attention. You spoke uh, earlier how, how the NCAA is kind of an old mindset. They don't really like to change. Do you feel like the players will ever get paid? <laughs> I mean, uh, I not by the NCAA, no. I think they may get paid by brands. They may get paid by some sort of, like, sponsorship deal that they come with, like, maybe a booster sponsors a player to go to school. I don't know what that looks like. That sounds very old. 
But I don't know what it will be, but I know that it will not be the NCAA writing a check for any player. I do know that. That will never happen. Uh, I mean, unless unless the NCAA changes some sort of, like, basically fundamental – like, it, it would be a, a fundamental overhaul of what they are. If the NCAA, the institution still exists, they will not be writing checks to players. I do believe that. Yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I know that sounds very bleak, and I, people are like, "Man, that's messed up that you think that." But it, it is one of those things where, like, I don't mean that doesn't mean that I don't think players will get paid, and I'm not saying that players aren't already getting paid, but I think that someone at, like Under Armour will maybe write a check to a guy, or Nike may write a check to a guy. Puma and Puma, Puma's been throwing Puma, away a lot of money. Puma, Puma write a check to us <laughs> for I mean, sure. For they sure. Don't care. Like Jay Z and Puma, they'll pay anybody. So. I don't know what that looks like, but I know that it will not look like the NCAA is sending a check to the House of Zion Williams and here's your $50,000 for the month. Like, that's for damn sure. All right, let, let's end with this, Tate. Uh, who is better, Kobe in his prime or Shaq in his prime? Oh, that's a great question. Who's better in their prime? I think uh, Shaq is better in his prime. And I'll include in the reasoning behind that because Shaq – is the only person I know of that beat Jordan in his prime. And I think that pretty much solidified. Uh, that wasn't really prime. That was after baseball. I know, but it's still Jordan. And Jordan came back and everyone's like, he's wearing 45. And then he changed into 23. And it's like, yeah, once he put 23 on, real Jordan was back. And he <laughs> – That's how it goes? That's how it goes. Real Jordan was back. Man. He took 45 off. He's like, all right, it's me again. And I didn't know that this guy Shaq was this good. And who is this Penny Hardaway guy? Because he's something else. And I think that – that's to me like the the Penny Shack years like do more for me with Shaq. Yeah, I I understand Kobe's whole thing with. I mean, Kobe and Shaq basically had the same three year run on their own. And I thought when Shaq went to Miami and promised D Wade a title, and then D Wade obviously went off, but they got that title. I thought that did a lot for him. And then Kobe comes back in 08, 09, 2010, and those were like a great three year run for him to solidify him. I think that. That took Kobe to me to the top Like He took him into a top flight conversation when he did that with Gasol and those guys. So it's not, not to say that I, I don't think Kobe's in the conversation with Shaq. I just think Shaq is like he got to the Jordan all-time great level, and I don't know how many guys have gotten there. And they, they three-peated together, you know what I mean? Yeah. And if you three-peat to me, you're in a different conversation. That's why the Warriors with Durant, like as much as everyone's like Durant was already checked out, well, if Durant was this real basketball historian, he would know that a three-peat puts you in a different echelon. Like, it's okay. It's one thing to win back-to-back. Isaiah and the Pistons won back-to-back. Like, back-to-back is the, the Rockets in, like, 94-95. They won back Everybody's done back-to-back. But to go – I mean, the Warriors obviously did three out of four, a different iteration, and then one in 2015. But to three-peat is a different level, and Kobe and Shaq did that. So, I would say they're both all-time greats, but I'm going with Shaq. Right. It's funny how you said that um... – how Shaq really did help D Wade and he helped his legacy so much. Cause when we look at guys like Dirk and D Wade, it's like they're bumped up so much higher on the all time list. Cause they were actually the best player on a championship team. You know, that just raises your yeah. stock tremendously. Yeah, absolutely. I mean that Dirk 2011, I mean, I, I know that that's like the cool thing for Jordan fans to talk about with the Mavs in 2011 and Jason Terry averaging more points on LeBron. And that's uh, yeah. Fun to say, but that I don't even care about the LeBron side. That wasn't the story of 2011. Like Dirk and the Mavs were the story, and uh, yeah, I mean that that's that's how you know. I mean, it's what Kawhi just did with the Raptors. You know, what I mean, you just take a franchise like that and you carry carry them to a title. That puts you in a different group of men. Like you're something else. Like you're you're big time. 
For sure, for sure. Tate, man, great stuff. Thanks for being here. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you? Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Uh, you can find me at One Shine Podcast. Uh, you can subscribe, Apple, Spotify, all that, all that good stuff. Uh, myself, Mark Titus. Uh, again, we work for the Ringer, like we kind of discussed earlier. And uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Tate Frazier. T A T E F R A Z I E R. I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. You're always welcome back. Thanks, Tate. Talk soon, man. Great. Talk to you soon. There it is. Episode 93 is in the books. Big shouts to Tate for joining in. We appreciate you. And also, man, thanks to everyone listening to Combo's Court across the globe. If you listen to this episode in its entirety, take a screenshot, post it on your IG stories, tag me at 12combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. I'll repost it. Also, don't forget to rate, review, and punch down in that subscribe button right on your Apple Podcast app. Be on the lookout for episode 94. Combo out.